You are tuned to Community Radio, KVMR-FM, Nevada City, KCPC Camino. It's 6 p.m. Tuesday, October 4th. I'm Joyce Miller, and this is the KVMR Evening News. Across California, county election officials and workers have become targets of conspiracy mongers who preach of mass election fraud. The most radical have gone so far as to threaten to kill election officials, and that's making it harder to recruit poll workers. The California Report talks to a former county registrar who wants more protection for the folks who make voting happen. After regional news and weather, County Supervisor Hardy Bullock fills us in on a bike ride to benefit Nevada County kids. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. A massive cyber attack targeting the state's largest school district appears to have been far less invasive than originally thought. After LA Unified announced it had no intention of paying a ransom, a hacking organization over the weekend posted stolen data from the district. We are able to confirm that the release was actually even more limited than we had originally anticipated. And based on what we've seen, there is at this point no evidence of widespread impact as far as truly sensitive, confidential information. That's L.A. Unified Superintendent Alberto Carvalho, who says some personal information, such as social security numbers and passport details involving outside contractors, was released. The school district has set up a hotline for concerned parents and staff. That number was reportedly overwhelmed with calls yesterday. It's still unclear who's responsible for the hack and exactly how much information has been stolen. But multiple reports say the cyber criminal syndicate Vice Society may be involved. Last week, Governor Newsom signed into law a bill that makes it easier for California election workers to keep their home addresses confidential. The law was considered so urgent, it went into effect immediately. Why? Well, because there are a lot of election integrity deniers out there now who have bought into crazy claims and outright lies about mass election fraud. And some of those people are so angry or delusional, they've threatened to intimidate, hurt, and even kill election workers. One person raising the alarm about the danger is Neil Kelly. He's the former registrar of voters in Orange County, who now directs the Committee for Safe and Secure Elections. It's a national group advocating for election worker safety. Mr. Kelly, with the November elections fast approaching, I assume you're especially concerned now. You know, I I am concerned. And I think what people say matters um, when you have candidates that kind of across the board in many cases are taking this approach that If I lose, it has to be fraud. Therefore, you have voters that look to the election official and say, well, it's got to be your fault. And the problem with that is, is that can stir up feelings among individuals who might uh, become radicalized or might be triggered in some way and may want to reach out and harm, whether it's polling places, election officials or voters. And that's a real concern. You know, looking ahead to this election and others, do you fear that some degree of election denialism and threats against those who manage our elections are kind of baked into the system now? I don't think we're going to see this going anywhere. In fact, if you look at some of the data coming out from some uh, organizations that have done some polling, more than three and four local election officials currently feel that threats against them will increase. And you have three and five election officials feeling that 
poll workers are going to be hard to recruit because who's going to want to work in that environment is part of what they're saying. So I don't think this is something we can ignore. You know, Mr. Kelly, I imagine there are a lot of people listening to us now who think, well, you know, I live in California. Uh, This isn't as much of a big deal as it is in other states. Uh, We pretty much have confidence in our elections, and uh, I don't really have to worry about this being a problem. Uh, What would be your response to that? I think that's a valid comment, but I would take a little bit of issue with it only because you know, the central part of California is is very red and you have areas of California where it is still very heated when it comes to the 2020 election results. For instance, right now, look to Shasta County. She, that clerk there has gone through, in my, this is my words, hell over the last uh, several months and dealing with a number of election issues and individuals who are, are, for lack of a better word, protesting. So you're seeing this definitely across California. I mentioned earlier how California has this new law on the books to protect election workers by keeping their addresses confidential. I assume you support efforts like that, but are they enough? I absolutely support those measures, and I applaud the legislature and the governor for doing those things. That's very important. But I don't think it is enough. I think that, you know, if you have someone that has a very strong belief system or is triggered in some way, may have a mental illness, these kinds of things are not going to stop those individuals. We have to do things to increase security in voting centers and polling places and reduce the risk. Those combined with that type of legislation, I think, is where we're where we need to be. All right. That's Neil Kelly of the Committee for Safe and Secure Elections. Mr. Kelly, thanks so much for joining us on the California Report. Thank you so much for having me, Saul. Appreciate it very much. Support for the California Report comes from the James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at Irvine.org. Hint, fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors, like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories. In stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute. Coming this fall, the launch of research vessel Falcor 2, advancing the frontiers of ocean science and exploration on the web at schmidtocean.org. In Southern California, shifting coastal ground has halted passenger rail service between Oceanside in North San Diego County and Mission Viejo in Orange County. KPBS reporter Thomas Fudge says the closure could stop passenger train traffic along that stretch of the coast for two months. Both Amtrak and the Metrolink commuter train service have been shut down in the area, essentially cutting off passenger train service between San Diego and the rest of California. The track closure is in San Clemente. A press statement from Metrolink said that until the agency can confirm that the slope movement has stopped, service will not continue. Hassani Krada, CEO of San Diego's planning agency Sandag, said he spoke with Metrolink CEO Darren Kettle about how long the gap in train service is expected to last. The service for passengers will stop for at least 60 days, period. The freight service will continue to operate, and the freight trains will move at a slower speed. San Diego County has suffered the same problems with train tracks on unstable seaside bluffs. Bacrata says the only lasting fix will be moving the tracks inland. For the California Report, I'm Thomas Fudge in San Diego. 
And a quick congratulations to Walnut Creek physicist and Caltech alum John F. Clauser, a co-winner of this year's Nobel Prize for Physics. Clauser, along with two European colleagues, won the award for pioneering work in, quote, entangled photons and quantum information science. And that's the California Report for Tuesday, October 4th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Saul Gonzalez. And whether you've won the Nobel Prize or not, thanks for listening and have a great day. In regional news, Monday evening, the League of Women Voters of Nevada County put on an event at the Rood Center in Nevada City designed to educate voters about two local measures on the November ballot. Measure V, which applies to voters in the entire county, and Measure W, which applies only to Nevada City. Most of the evening was devoted to a debate on hotly contested Measure W. Moderator Stephen Munkelt started with an overview of the somewhat complex nature of Measure W. He noted that Nevada City has a downtown historic district created 50 years ago. Measure W, if passed, would create an additional historic neighborhood district in residential areas outside the downtown. Measure W is an attempt to limit the impact of a new state law, Senate Bill 9, which was intended to make it easier to allow additional development in R1 zoned areas and ease their approval. Jim Hottamy spoke in favor of Measure W, and Dwayne Strouser spoke in opposition. Hadami objects to SB 9 because he believes it would increase housing density, define Nevada City as an urban area, and eliminate local control of some development. He stated that Measure W is needed to blunt the impact of Senate Bill 9, which he believes will change the character of Nevada City. I think all of us that live here and, and many of the people who visit realize that we live in a really special place. Uh, we know that the distinctive character and the beauty of the downtown and its older neighborhoods didn't, didn't, it didn't happen by accident. So we owe a depth of gratitude to everyone who's worked to preserve our history and the small town character of Nevada City. I, I think we need to continue that work of all those people who came before us because we face a, a very real threat to our town from, this, from the new state law, SB 9. So this law, as we're beginning to see, and it, it's just beginning, it could permanently change the character of our older neighborhoods. And it won't benefit anyone, but really a very small group of, of primarily of developers and speculators. Strauser, on the other hand, says that Measure W is trying to solve a problem that doesn't exist. Measure W is an unnecessary, unwanted solution pretending to solve a problem that does not exist. We have restrictions already in place to protect the character, history, and quality of life of our amazing little city, and then some. This is just another example of unneeded governmental rules dividing our community, not bringing us together. It's called ballot box planning. A small vocal minority of people, many who don't even live in Nevada City, let alone the affected neighborhoods, constructed a misleading campaign to force their preferred planning views onto the majority of our citizens without our input or support. W uses scare tactics to convince us that SB9 allows homeowners to build up to eight single or multiple units on lots as small as 1,200 square feet. There's nothing true or realistic about this. It's not plausible. 30 minutes of the League presentation was devoted to an analysis of the pros and cons of Measure V, which would increase the county sales tax by one-half percent, with the money raised meant to fund wildfire prevention. Both presentations can be viewed on Nevada County Media's channel on YouTube.com. 
The KVMR Evening News will continue to cover the pros and cons of both of these contested ballot measures in the month that remains before the November 8th election. Turning to the regional forecast from the National Weather Service and air quality data from purpleair.com, dry weather will continue for the next week with a slight warming trend. This evening in Nevada City and Grass Valley will be mostly clear with a low around 57. Air quality this afternoon was measuring in the 20s, which is satisfactory. Wednesday will be sunny with a high near 85 and a low around 59. Tonight in Truckee and Lake Tahoe will be mostly clear with a low around 40. Air quality this afternoon was measuring around 18. Wednesday in the Tahoe area will be sunny with a high near 75 and a low around 40. Down the hill in Sacramento and Woodland, this evening will be mostly clear with a low around 58. Air quality this afternoon was measuring around 30. Wednesday will be sunny with a high near 89. Wednesday night will be clear with a low around 59 and light and variable winds. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Next, KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza talks to Nevada County Supervisor Hardy Bullock about how a bike ride was transformed into a fundraiser benefiting mental wellness for youth. This Saturday, cyclists will flock to our county for the Heart of Gold gravel race. Proceeds from the race will benefit local organizations committed to maintaining and improving mental wellness among Nevada County's young people. I spoke with Hardy Bullock. He's Nevada County's 5th District Supervisor and no stranger to life on two wheels. In fact, he's the organizer. You know, I started 15 years ago, uh, started a ride called 300 Miles from Entering, and it was an ultra-distance event. I got my buddies together, and we raised funds for Brothers Big Sisters. When I started at the county, I went to the county CEO, Allison Lehman, and I said, hey, we're really facing a fallout from this pandemic, a teen uh, mental wellness, and what do you think about transforming this ride that I've already done for several years and, and, and made money doing it and given all that money to the Big Brothers Big Sisters, why don't we transform it into a countywide uh, race event to support teen mental wellness and we'll choose um, countywide uh, organizations, Bright Futures for Youth, Youth Bicyclists in Nevada County, Tahoe Forest Health Systems and Child Advocates as the benefactors of the ride and make it work that way. And she uh, supported me and, and now we've kind of transformed it into the ride that you see today. The Heart of Gold gravel race isn't just an opportunity for people to ride through some beautiful scenery. It's also a way for people to support an important cause and to help shine a light on the issue of youth mental wellness. I think in general, teens face a multitude of challenges today, right? And they're different than the challenges that we faced when we grew up in Nevada County. And they come in many forms. So social media, social pressure, economic pressure, education food insecurity, gender identity, all these different things that we we are grappling with and our kids are grappling with in Nevada County, um, they need proactive solutions. And health and human services and government um, programs are not always enough. And so the nonprofit sector really steps in. um, Big Brothers Big Sisters, Bright Futures for Youth, Tahoe Force Health Systems, Child Advocates, and Bonk of Nevada County really fill that gap, right? So they can get in, they can provide 
a continuum of services to kids who need something. And this bike ride is really to raise awareness. It's to raise money for the charitable organizations, but more importantly, it's to raise awareness for the cause that in every day that we, we walk and interact with our kids here in Nevada County, we have an opportunity to mentor them, to guide them and to help them. And um, once we recognize the shortcomings that we have as a community in this area and, and, and also destigmatizing the issue, right? So depression and anxiety are something that many people face. Teens are included in that. Uh, and so once we destigmatize it and talk about it and raise awareness, we can start treating it and making better people and taking care of people in a better way. This will be the second Heart of Gold gravel race. And this year, it's bigger and better. So this year, we have two courses, a short course, which is 46 miles and 6,000 feet of climbing. And then the long course is 76 miles with uh, 11,000 feet of climbing. Pretty stout ride. We have some pros, um, Jonathan Baker, Levi Leipheimer, and Peter Statina, um, all professional Grand Tour riders are going to be here racing in this this race. We have an expanded um, fair, if you will, of different people that are meeting at the start and finish. You know, our county is really unique because it's got all these recreational amenities and people are just starting to take advantage of it. It kind of peaked during COVID, but we really see this as an opportunity to um, have an economic engine supplied through recreational outdoor activity here in our county through this race. And so we're, we're kind of promoting it from that sense as well. We hope to grow this into a premier, you know, national gravel race location and event for people to come and visit here. And we have year-round riding here as well. So we, we'd like to showcase this ride in the fall so that people understand if it's winter where you are, you can come to Nevada County and still get some pretty decent days of riding in. Grinding up 11,000 feet on gravel roads isn't for everyone, so I asked Hardy how else people could support the cause. So you can go to heartofgoldgravel.com, and there's a sign-up sheet for volunteers. We still need a lot of volunteers. We'd be happy to have you in any capacity if you want to volunteer for an hour or two hours or four hours. Come out and be a part of it with us. You can donate to any of the charitable organizations on behalf of the Heart of Gold Gravel Race, and you can make donations on our website. There's a something called the Claim Jumper, which is Dr. Justin Faffinger, and he's doing a promotional program where he's going to start last and then pass people and he gets sponsored so you could sponsor him. You know, I think the, the biggest way that we can help solve the problem and help enhance the lives of teens is really to get involved with organizations that you believe in. So find a good fit for you, get involved in that organization, and then start contributing. Sometimes mentors, adult mentors with teens that are um, facing headwinds and, and problems and have difficulty in their lives can just make such a difference. So I would just say get involved wherever you possibly can and give a little bit of your time. It means a lot to people. The Heart of Gold Gravel Race takes place this Saturday, October 8th. Packet pickup starts at 6 a.m. and the mass start happens at 8 a.m. at the Rood Center in Nevada City. In today's Money Matters commentary, Mark Cuniberti introduces us to the wacky world of something called the inverted yield curve. In our topsy-turvy economy of the moment, this concept may get you a decent return on investment without a huge commitment of funds. Sound counterintuitive? Mark explains. Welcome to another edition of Money Matters. My name is Mark Cunaberti. A few weeks back, I detailed the rising rates on U.S. guaranteed debt instruments and how investors might take another trip down to their local bank 
and ask about current CD and savings rates, with interest rates on bank products sneaking up in response to the Fed increasing the overnight rate three times in an attempt to rein in inflation. Investors are starting to wake up to the fact that the typically anemic rates at their local bank and credit unions are creeping up and might be worth taking another look at. In an event called an inverted yield curve, certificates of deposits, or CDs, bonds, and treasuries might be purchased for relatively short expiration dates and still yet get better or equal rates to longer-dated products. The U.S. government finances its spending by issuing IOUs called Treasury Bills, Notes, and Bonds. The different names indicate the length of time before you get your money back. Simply put, you buy the debt and the U.S. in essence borrows your money and the receipts are these securities. Which debt you select is based on how long you wish to loan your money out for. Those familiar with CDs, bonds, and treasuries will know that a 10-year debt issue normally pays more than a 30-day debt issue. The higher payment, which is the interest you get for the longer terms, is because you are making a longer commitment. Right now, in some instances, the interest you get versus how long you normally wait before being paid is inverted, hence the name inverted yield curve. For example, right now, if you agree to loan your money out for two years, you you might get more than if you committed to 10. What? Yup, today's rates are definitely an aberration as it relates to normal usury rates, which is what you get paid for how long you lend your money out. You get more interest the longer you agree to hold the debt. Not so right now, at least between certain time frames, two-year loans may pay you more than a 10-year loan. That means, in technical terms, we have an inverted yield curve. This rare occurrence is because buyers of debt are nervous about the outlook of the economy and the markets and are piling into the longer-term debt instruments, such as the 10-year bond. This is because they are unsure about the near-term future of the stock market and are looking toward U.S.-guaranteed securities to protect principal. Higher demand for debt instruments like bonds or T-bills means the sellers of this debt don't have to pay as much interest to entice buyers. In essence, strong demand for the longer-term bonds mean lower interest rates need to be paid and yields drop. Meanwhile, the interest rate on the two-year might remain the same or could even rise. The drop in the 10-year note interest payments, while the two-year remains the same, means you might make more money by buying a two-year debt, all the while getting your money back even sooner. This would suggest that at this moment in time, while the yield curve is inverted, investors might take a look at CDs, savings accounts, or treasuries, which are short-term based, and get a decent yield without committing money for two or three decades. Savings accounts versus CD yields is still normal. Also, savings, which are on-demand accounts, meaning there is no time commitment, are paying less than one-month, two-month, or six-month treasuries. But overall, it could be said rates are definitely above the near-zero rates we all remember on savings, CDs, and short-term treasuries at your bank or advisor. Searching the latest treasury and CD prices on an advisor screen that I have as of late last week, I was seeing one-month rates well north of 2% and three months well above 3%. 
Keep in mind these rates are annual percentage rates and they change daily. And of course the examples are non-binding estimates from what I saw last week. The bottom line is U.S. 100% guaranteed bank debt such as savings, Treasury Department issued debt, and CDs may be offering rates that could be worth considering for risk-adverse investors that want to avoid the stock market at this particular time. Parking funds in U.S. government guaranteed issues will at least provide some yield while you wait for some clarity and normalcy in today's markets. I'm watching the market so you don't have to. And remember, this newscast is my opinion only and does not reflect the opinion of this news media, staff, management, or underwriters, or is meant as investment advice. I hold a BA in economics with honors, and our website is moneymanagementradio.com, where everything is free, our way of saying thank you for listening to your community radio station. My name's Mark Kuniberti. That's our newscast. KVMR Community Radio gets support from The Village at Palisades Tahoe and North Lake Tahoe Resort Association, presenting Made in Tahoe, celebrating local arts and artisans, culture, food, and music from the Tahoe Basin and Trekkie, October 8th and 9th from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. Made in Tahoe, palisadestahoe.com and Dr. Thor Clemens and The Wellness Way, a health restoration clinic offering a different holistic approach to healthcare through assessing and addressing trauma, toxins, and thoughts using chiropractic and laboratory diagnostics on Providence Mine Road, Nevada City, thewellnessway.com. This is Joyce Miller signing off. Please join us Wednesday evening at 6 for another edition of the KVMR Evening News. And if you benefit from KVMR's news and public affairs, consider showing support by honoring the KVMR News with a contribution during our membership drive by calling 530-265-9555 or donating online at kvmr.org.